G'day, Swaino. Good to chat to you, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, Al. Thanks for uh, inviting me back again. Appreciate it. Uh, awesome. So, yeah, we're having a chinwag about what's our last episode for season two going to be. And uh, we had a few ideas, sticking with the uh, club theme and team theme. And then, yeah, after a, after a beer, we thought, hang on. Yeah, the, the crashing at the moment's definitely a topic. And, and we had a few ideas floating around. And let's chat to a couple of writers in, in the scene here. And, and yeah, we've then gone to work and chatted to, yeah, Stevie Hall, Adam Jones and, and Ali Milne and, yeah, we've come away with some real insight into um, what can perhaps shift some some uh, behaviours and hopefully, um, yeah, get some, yeah, uh, safety, you know, coming back into our racing. Uh, yeah, look, there's been a significant increase in crashes uh, this year, both on the road and in criteriums. And, yeah, we're starting to see some patterns. And, yeah, after these conversations... Yeah, I just believe that there are some ways we can now start to gradually turn this around or at least now be more aware of what's causing this increase. So what are your thoughts, mate? Um, yeah, my thoughts are we have a real problem where when you talk about crashes in races, everyone seems to just say, well, you know, crashing is a part of racing. That, and they just accept that it happens. And, yeah, sure, it does happen. I listen to the, the chats from these three guys and look at what has been happening in the races. And these are all avoidable instances. So just to, to put your hands up in the air and say, oh, you know, crashing is a part of racing, just doesn't cut it. Uh, I think that, um, you know, have a listen to these three guys. And we were really fortunate. These were the, the first three that we'd picked out as respected people in the community. And they, they were all up to, to chat about it. So thank you to them. But um, yeah, it's not just throw your hands in the air and say, ah, we've got to accept it. There are some actionable things that we can do and um, have a listen to, to these guys and they'll, they'll kind of point them out. Yep, spot on. So, yep, good on, good idea raising this one, Swino. And, uh, yeah, let's get into it. And listeners, yeah, pop those headphones on, really soak this one in and uh, we'll, be, we'll be chatting to you at the other side of it to wrap things up. All right, bud? Great. Let's go. Thanks for joining me today, Stevie. Can you introduce yourself to listeners for me and just give a brief summary of your racing and riding experience? So basically for the last 10 years, I've been racing uh, all over the world, mainly in, in the US. And for a few years before that, I was living in, and racing in Belgium a lot um, on the, the track and on the road circuit. And... Um, I've been a previous Australian champion and um, won several state titles along the way. So really enjoy um, racing my bike. And um, since coronavirus has just really been locally, but, you know, hoping to get to um, race internationally at some, some point soon because that's what I spend a lot of my life doing. So, Good, mate. Thank you for sharing that. And, yeah, I certainly hope you get the chance soon. Can you just give a brief insight into what style of racer you are to listeners? Um, I think originally in the beginning, I started off as, as a, a track sprinter. Um, and as I got a little bit older, I tra transitioned more into track endurance and, and racing on the road. Um, I don't think I'm necessarily a, just a straight-up road sprinter on the road. I like to think I'm a bit more of an all-rounder. Um, I quite like hilly, 
hilly courses and um, and criteriums and, and a whole bunch of different um, style courses and circuits. So I like to think I'm I'm an all rounder rather than necessarily a sprinter. But yeah, I think in the early days I would consider myself um, a sprinter. But but yeah, I like to. There's not many courses that I don't like, especially locally. So I think fantastic. I'm a yeah, you are indeed. Yeah, yeah, cool. Well, mate, I've got you here as a regular and respected member of the Perth racing scene uh, to have a chat and hopefully share some learnings to help improve the current trend of crashes we've been seeing at our local races. Uh, for just some context for listeners, the second half of the Peel Winter Road season saw some large accidents at a couple of races in the few Ks before the finish and not just the final sprint. Uh, Tour of Margaret River saw some large crashes on both days, Saturday and Sunday, and they required helicopter and ambulance transport. Um, yeah, look, there was crashes on climbs and in some sections which were narrow, um, and there was grades into interacting with each other. So, yeah, the first three weeks of the summer criterion racing recently have seen crashes at each event or the first few and over A, B and C grades. Uh, I've got no first-hand experience at the Masters Series races, so I can't con- comment on them or any difference there may be with the racing there. And, yeah, I, I just understand the hunger and desire to compete in the finale, um, but I don't understand why these crashes, um, yeah, are just happening a bit more frequently lately. And are we looking at a skill versus strength issue? Is a respect and etiquette issue? Or is it just a lot of things all coming together um, that we can't control? Um, I don't see it as a course design problem or issue with the race organisers. But, um, yeah, just, yeah, I'm not sure what, what could help move the needle into a safer direction. Um, what I didn't enjoy was uh, at the Tour of Margaret River on the Sunday with the reaction to some of the large crashes, there was, um, yeah, my, Robbie McEwen on the microphone and, uh, yeah, just saying that, you know, parts of D-grade when they tried to pass C, um, yeah, to, taking out some riders there. His response for the next day was for C to ride faster, um, which, you know, is not calling for, for safer racing when it was a matter of race ta- tactics within a grade and ultimately a separate race. So, yeah, I just, yeah, we're looking for safety at where we can. Steve, can you just share your thoughts on why you think um, we are seeing some of these crashes lately? I think um, the passing of, of grades um, is, is an interesting one because I feel like that is always going to be a, a particularly, um, I guess, dangerous moment uh, in and of itself because you've got a, a, a faster group passing for a, a slower bunch. And it's on a criterion circuit, it can be quite tricky, and that's when you already know exactly what the circuit is in front of you, let alone when it's when it's a road race and some of the um, descents on in Margaret River were quite technical, um, which I believe were one of the bigger crashes were. I think that's always going to be a dangerous, um, I guess, moment in a race yeah. because you you have this lower grade, which is technically given the instruction that they should almost neutralise the race to allow the quicker group to pass. But at the same time, they're still racing. And at the same time, it's, it's very difficult to call like a ceasefire in the middle of a race because especially the bigger the, the size of the bunch is that the, the back might get the memo but the front doesn't. And so they're kind of like drag racing each other and especially when you don't know the, well, what's coming up ahead 
on some blind corners and things like that. So that that's for one reason I think that that's always going to be dangerous, let alone on a crutch room circuit. When you have multiple grades on the course at once, I think that's um, it's, it's yeah. very hard to negate uh, the, yeah. that being dangerous. I guess um, the other factor is, well, normally in, in A grade specifically, um, the crashes are through um, people kind of pushing the limits or trying to win the race. You know, so if there's a crash on the final corner, then they're probably, um, you know, going a little bit, a little bit all out to try and win the race. I think in in lower grades, it's more to do with um, a lack of experience sometimes, or um, it can be like I talk about big grade a lot, where you have a, a difference in ability, where you might have a really young rider who's quite talented, and then an, an older rider who actually hasn't been in the sport as long. It mm-hmm. doesn't take the same risks as someone who's younger than them. So at the same time, they can overcorrect certain scenarios. They might not hit a final corner as quickly um, as you know a younger rider that maybe shoots for the inside, um, yep. which probably isn't safe to do so. So I think there's a several different facts. There are, of course, just scenarios where there's nothing that could have been done. If someone punctures just before a corner, if you know there's some kind of mechanical that you can't, I guess, prepare for. That is part of the sport. But I think there's there's certain scenarios where it possibly could have been avoided, and I guess that that's what we really need to hone on, hone in on, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and there's just that, yeah, appreciation that there's just some things which are completely out of our control. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, as I was saying there before, it's it's not really a race organizer's problem to fix. So, yeah, with your experience and what you're seeing. What do we as riders need to do differently if there is anything we need to change or just be aware of? I think um, I think you have to be realistic with um, with your your ambitions, and, and this can be in, in regards to to contesting a final. Um, is that there's some there's going to be some scenarios where um, you're not like it, and I'll use the example of if you're no longer contesting one of the top positions. There's probably no need for you to be sprinting um, in the middle of the bunch. Uh, there's I've seen several crashes happen because of this. At the same time, you have to be realistic about whether there's certain corners that you can pedal through. We saw quite a big um, crash a few weeks ago in, in Rashad's on the airport circuit because this is quite, um, it's almost like a U-turn kind of corner. and A lot of riders will try and pedal through the corner and it's only a matter of time before someone gets it wrong and they actually clip their pedal. And I think that comes down to being realistic about um, what you're asking the bike to do. You know, you can't pedal when you're when you're horizontal. So that comes with with a lot of experience as well. Is that more experienced riders will know that the extra tiny bit of the pedal stroke you can get out of that corner probably doesn't isn't worth the risk if you get it wrong. Um, yeah. And it is yeah certain issues with that. At the same time, with with younger riders, is that you have to you have to appreciate that if you if you take a big risk you can not only hurt yourself, but you can hurt other people around you. And I think that sometimes goes out of the window a little bit when you get caught up in the heat of, of a race or of competing, is that we, cycling can be a dangerous sport where we're capable of riding the bike at 50-plus kilometres an hour. You need to be very attentive and you can't be um, overly aggressive or do anything that can endanger yourself or other riders. And I think sometimes that that gets thrown out of the window a little bit when you have like a tight bunch finish and suddenly people aren't aware of how much room that they can allow themselves and people around them and that they just run out of room. And, you know, it, it, does, it doesn't necessarily go back to the, the course, but um, the, the riders have a, 
I guess you need to look out for each other. And we've spoken about this previously, I guess, with, with in terms of cycling etiquette. But uh, everyone should want those around them to get to the finish safely and, and themselves. So I think being realistic about um, about your your ambitions and if if you winning it means that someone else has to crash, then I don't I don't believe that's the right scenario. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So yeah, that means really knowing what kind of rider you are as well, doesn't it? And, and that's exactly right. Is that there's, there's scenarios where someone who isn't typically a sprinter is thinking, well, you know, I've made it this far in the race, I'm going to try my hand at sprint. And then there's a, a final corner that they're trying to race to, and they don't really have the um, the bike handling skills or the experience to, to justify that, and then they can cause a big accident. So you do have to be realistic about your abilities in, in a race as well, especially when it comes to sprint finishing. Is that if you have a fast a fast finish, is that you and everyone around you is taking <laughs> Your word that you're um, you're capable of being there and you're going to do the right thing. You can't suddenly zigzag across the road in a sprint. You have to ride a straight line. Um, and when everyone's absolutely at their limit, it's even more important that everyone's paying attention and, and following the right etiquette and doing the right thing, um, so everyone can finish the race safely. Yeah, yeah, cool. Did you want to touch on then on your most recent podcast? You just talked about grading and how that can play a role in this area as well. Yeah, so the, the most recent podcast we did on the, the Village Iris is talking about the way that um, riders are graded. And the, the main one, the main grade that I talk about is B-grade. And B-grade has this, um, always has a mix of ability in that you can have um, really talented juniors and then you can have um, older riders that actually haven't been in the sport for very long but might have a big sporting history, whether it's from you know, it could be triathlon, running, rowing, any of these sports. So physically that they're that they're fully grown and they're very strong, but they don't have the experience of being a bike rider for several years, but they might be great in a straight line and in road races, but when it comes to high criterion courses is they might not have great bike handling skills. So they can be quite difficult to grade because they are physically strong, is that they you might decide that they're too strong for a D grade or a C grade. And physically they sit within B grade but they actually don't have the bike handling skills and haven't got enough experience to really justify being in that bunch. So mm. that, you know, suddenly the speed of that race becomes dangerous because they're trying to navigate corners that they haven't experienced before. So I'm more of the idea that we should spend more time in lower grades rather than moving riders up too quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's elements there. There's, we get to choose which grades we put ourselves in to a point. Um, certainly new riders, to, say for, for Peel example, can select a grade, really any grade first up um, before they start getting, yeah, the the um, racing clubs starting to influence where they, they what grade they race in. There's also just, you know, that, that pressure um, from other cyclists to say, no, no, you know, you're sandbagging or, yeah, uh, whether it's tongue in cheek, but you know you should be racing up a grade. So, yeah, it's important that um, with the system that we currently have in place, that therefore, yeah, riders are being just really patient in in where they're trying to go with their racing. And um, yeah, there's there's definitely benefits for getting experience in a lower grade and feeling confident in that grade that you're like, hang on, I'm yeah. The people it'd just be the people around you know who you are and they know how you ride and then you're starting to get 
you know, you've said on your podcast, once you've had a few podiums and a win or two, um, then yeah, that's a sign that you're ready to to progress. And before then, yeah, it's, it's pretty pretty important that you just just chill out, be patient, and and um, yeah, keep getting experience. I think the the hard thing as well is that not all courses are the same. So you, you look at a yeah. course like um, like a few a few that people do, whether it's um, Smeaton Way or um, I think it's Illumina, that that are very rolling, smooth courses, as well as Bayswater at Richards. And mm-hmm. so those courses are typically easier style courses that flow quite nicely. So someone might consider themselves comfortable in D grade. And then you go out and race like an airport circuit, which is actually very technical. It has right and left hand corners. Right it's got corners yep. at the end of long straights. It's got off camber corners, um, almost U turn type corners that you're hitting at speed. These are all kind of elements that if you've only been racing relatively straightforward criterium circuits is that the first time you may have experienced something like that in a race scenario is on the first lap of, you know, a, a B-grade crit at, at 4.30 in the afternoon or something like that. So that's it. Not all courses are the same. And mm. I, I, I like the idea that you don't necessarily have to be in the same grade for every single race. And, that, and the idea as well is that you're enjoying your racing. I don't believe that... You should yeah. be glued to B grade or A grade or whatever it is, and then you get out yep. on the airport circuit and you last ten, you last ten minutes. I don't think that's good for anyone. I don't think you learn in that scenario either. Yeah, yeah. You talked about it's uh, also just the motivation levels. You know, you want to be in races and competing in them and um, feel like you're having an influence, and that's good for your motivation levels as well when you are racing. So, um, yeah, I like your points there, and we should always, and it maybe it comes with experience. Or, or the person, but you should always be looking at what course you're racing and um, whether it's criteriums or road and really know, really research. And um, yeah, that that all contributes to you when you're in that bunch, um, making safer decisions. Mm-hmm. I think it comes down to a skill level as well. It, it is hard. And, and you, you mentioned that the, the first two races, the criterium season had crashes. It's also because yeah. we're coming straight out of road season. And so yeah. that, for, for many people, it's relatively easy to, to ride around a, a road course that's 10 kilometers long with, you know, three corners that you don't necessarily yeah, think about. And then yeah. suddenly the intensity of criterium racing, a bit of excitement, a, a bigger bunch, I think yep. it can just be the perfect storm that, that causes an accident. But I guess you can put that back on, on the riders a little bit of being, putting a strong um, onus on not just improving the, the their training in terms of, you know, physiology and, and how fast they can ride a bike, but also improving the other parts of the sport in terms of their ability to ride around a corner safely. And I'm a big uh, component, big fan of, of bunch riding for that reason. I think it improves your skills. I think we you race in a group, so it would make sense that at least a few times a week you should probably train in a group. I think there's mm. a lot of people that train solely alone and then they, they get out there and they race and they're not used to people being around them. And that's when you can mm. see scenarios where they, they overreact to someone taking the wrong line through a corner and the overreaction is actually worse than the initial you know, course. So that, that mm. can cause a chain reaction through the bunch that can cause a crash. So I think, yeah, riders mm. need to be be mindful of that, that even though you, you may physically be at a B grade or an A grade level, is that there's other facets of the sport that you need to work on, which is your ability mm. to ride in a bunch, your ability to be calm and relaxed and not grab a handful of brake when, when things get a little bit sketchy. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, good point. Really good point. Um, yeah. All right. Are you familiar with the concept of the patron of a group race, Steve? 
yes, so I, I have sent previously, I believe, in, in the St Kilda crit in Victoria and a few other crouch rooms in Victoria. I'm pretty sure they have used that previously. I'm familiar with the, the concept. Yeah, so it's like that respected rider that um, supports riders on the fly in the race and looks to stamp out any dangerous movement habits. Um, yeah, I mean, so you've seen them in a bunchy before in races and, yeah, do you feel that they develop a safe um, but tough culture in a peloton? I, I believe if everyone's willing to take it on, and I, I think some riders do it unofficially, uh, I, I certainly know that um, it happens in bunch rides. Um, in terms of, of, of races, I, I, I think it's been a while since someone's really put their hand up and, and taken it on. But I think at the same time, if they're a well enough respected rider, that hopefully it's taken... Um, as I guess constructive criticism, but um, I don't believe we've had it in, in Perth uh, in terms of someone's really allocated to do that job. Um, certainly not above like a C grade or, or junior level that aren't familiar Do you see uh, it working if it was looked at by one of the racing clubs? I think so. I think it has the potential to, and I, I think that's. You know, like short, short of entourage, I think that's a really good opportunity to learn. Um, and it, obviously, it's not a it's not a full conversation that you can have, but it's something really um, like a short few little coaching cues about you know how to, hey, you know, make sure you're running the correct line through the corner, or you're you're over breaking, or you know that was a little bit aggressive, or whatever it is. I think if you can give that feedback in the moment rather than, you know, half an hour later at the finish. I think that they're definitely very valuable, providing that people are willing to take the, um, I guess, the information on and, and be willing to, to learn and be corrected in certain things. Because you're also taking the heat of the moment in, in a race that someone telling someone else something to do might, might not always be received well. But I think if they have the time, if that's what their job is, and everyone's willing to take that on, I can see how it would be valuable. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, so is there anything else you'd want to add to the topic tonight, mate? Um, I, think, I think we've covered it, covered it really well. I think, um, yeah, of, of course, we've mentioned that, unfortunately, it is a part of the sport. Um, it's the nature of what we do that sometimes, you know, it doesn't always go right and uh, crushes do occur. But I think um, as long as the riders are out there, you know, trying to be as safe as possible and, and um, you know, looking out for each other, I think um, we can... Hopefully, limit some some incidents and uh, and yeah, think, think go from there. But I think etiquette's really important, and um, everyone trying to, to ride safe and, and not throwing that away because they're, they're trying to win a race. I think you can win a race safely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks. Well, yeah, certainly listeners want to just yeah continue to grow their um, yeah learning in the sport. I can highly recommend them your podcast, Stevie. So, the Velo Diaries which they can access on any of the, you know, podcast platforms that we know. Um, they, yeah, it's pretty much nearing the end of its first season. And, yeah, do you want to just give listeners here just a little insight into, yeah, your podcast and some of the things you've been covering? So I think we've had the podcast for, um, I think we're nearing 11 or 12 episodes now. And it's, it's myself and my partner, Georgie. And yeah, we just talk about um, a whole different range of, of topics to do with cycling, whether it's whether it's diet, whether it's track racing, um, different racing that I've done in the US, and just a lot of my experiences, um, I guess, racing overseas, and, and just trying to share some of that knowledge with with, with young riders or um, you know cycling enthusiasts 
you know, to hopefully to, to learn something from and, and just share some of my experiences. So that's that's really what we're we're out there trying to share. Yeah, it's it's quite a refreshing pod. Um, yeah, and you've got a cool little little format where you two talk about yeah your highlights, lowlights of the week, and then you go into yeah some of the the context of the subject, and then yeah you've got some listener questions as well, which um, yeah there's just always something to to take out of yeah your pods and um, yeah it's just nice. I mean you said that you used to keep diaries, uh, a bit of an online blog, and um, yeah now you. Yeah, taking the time out, the two of you, and, and sharing it with us. So, yeah, we're very lucky to have it. Um, and, yeah, if anybody out there is I'm loving it today's podcast and if anybody out there is looking at stretching pre-race, Stevie, then they might have to um, have listen to your pod, mate. What do you reckon? Yeah, absolutely. And, and definitely with, with the questions that um, I mentioned it previously, but it, it reminds me of a lot of things and, and unearths a few memories and things that I've forgotten yeah. and... Uh, little tips and, and wisdom that hopefully I can share with people and that they can learn from. But, yeah, have, have a listen. And, um, you know, if you see me at a race, come, come and say good day. Oh, champion. So that's the Bellow Diaries people on definitely Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Stevie, thanks for your time. And, yeah, let's just yeah, keep looking after each other where we can out there. Yeah, absolutely. I so appreciate the um, the call. And, and yeah, hopefully... Um, it's the last of the, the incidents we see for a little while. And, um, yeah, everyone just, just look out for each other out there. G'day, guys. If you've got a product or service you'd love to promote to this kind of audience, get in touch with the Amateur Hour at Facebook and Messenger and have a chat with us. We've got a rapidly rich and diverse growing audience and we love taking this pod further. And with any sponsorship, we're going to look to upgrade the audio and keep pumping out some incredible stories from our amazing community here and beyond. So look forward to speaking to you and enjoy the rest of the potty. Thanks for joining me today, Adam. Can you introduce yourself to the listeners for me and just give a brief summary of your racing and riding experience? Um, Yeah, sure. My um, experience is pretty recent really I think compared to a lot of others um I only got my first road bike in 2016 and I uh, did my first uh crit in 2017 um I got dropped and lapped twice by a mixed C and D grade um but then yeah mo- kept moving up in the grades and I think I finished that summer in C grade I narrowly beat Callum Milne because he was probably on restricted gearing still <laughs> And, um, yeah, just kept moving up the field. I've gone between A and B, not so much A recently because, you know, everyone's stuck in Perth and it's a pretty hard field. But, uh, yeah, just I like to be um, competitive in B rather than hang on to the back of A. Awesome, mate. So just there, starting to touch on, just give listeners an insight into what style of racer you, you find yourself becoming. Um, I'd, I'd certainly like the crits um, over the longer winter series type races. Um, just a lot more energetic, a lot, a lot funner. Um, like to try, try get away from the bunch with a few others and have a crack at staying away. Uh, but you know, the sprints are also fun. But um, I, I, if unless I have the legs for it, I, I don't really try to contest them too much. Um, ride for some of the other 
guys I ride with sometimes, give them a good lead out where I can. Uh, but yeah, that's that's about about it. Nice one, mate. So yeah, uh, five six years little journey there, and yeah, you start to get more of a broader view on on the racing, don't you? Yeah, you, you get um you get a lot more experience than you know what you're capable of. You you know what other riders are capable of. Um, you you you'd learn to read the bunch and and uh, you you know what the same people are going to do. You know each race. Um, you know who's going to always try to get away. You know who's going to sit on the back and try to win the sprint. So it all it all depends on who's there, I guess, on how how I guess I'm going to try to ride for that for that race. But the best plans at the start of the race don't always um, pan out the way you you think they will. That's it. I'm just smiling as I'm listening to you as well about yeah the way you word it. So yeah, so true. Uh, Mate, I've got you here as a regular and respected member of the Perth racing scene and to have a chat with us here and hopefully share some learnings to help improve the current trend of crashes that we've been seeing at our local races. So, yeah, with some of that context, Adam, I'll just get you to share your thoughts today on why you think we are seeing all these crashes suddenly. Um, I mean, things like Tour of Margaret River have always had uh, the same numbers in the fields. Um, so that aside, um, I, I just think there's there's a lot more people racing than what we've seen over previous um, years. So I think as a as a percentage, just a, purely as a percentage of um, of numbers, that if there's more people racing, there's going to be more crashes. E- even if the races are are more dangerous or or the same, um, we're just going to see, I guess, if the probability of crashing remains the same, but there's more people r- racing, there's going to be more crashes. I don't know if that comes comes across quite correctly, but um, I don't know if people are... Um, if the racing style has changed much, I, I don't think it has. Um, there's more people, I think, jostling for positions for that final sprint where they probably shouldn't be. Um, like I said earlier, uh, for me, if you're not in that top five, then, I mean, you may as well be 30th. It's all it's all the same, really. really. Um, yep. And at what risk do you take to get that 7th, 8th, 10th place? Um, so... It, for me, if I if I know I don't have it, I'll just roll off before before that jostling really starts in in the last final um, turns. But that that's in relation to crits. Um, I know you touched on what happened at North Dandelup, and um, that that did come together with a few different um, of the handicaps and. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the real cause was there. I don't know if the rider hit something on the road. I'm not sure. Mm. Um, so I, I don't know what the actual cause of that one was. Yeah. So, yeah, more people, therefore the percentage increase goes up, and therefore the competition for that that top five wheels, um, yeah, creates yeah a high higher chance of 
yeah, the outcome that we don't want. Um, mm. Yeah, all right. Um, so, yeah, the race organisers, we're, we're saying, no, it's, it's not something for them to fix. Um, so we as riders, you know, regards to cycling etiquette, is there anything there that, that the bunch can look at inwards? Yeah, I think they just need to... Yeah, there's definitely etiquette there. They need to be respectful to um, what's going on behind them. I, I don't think a lot of people always look do do a check over their shoulder. Um, you know, as much as people try not to cross wheel, it's inevitably going to happen as people are trying to start get into position for that final sprint. Um, so, I guess if you're a rider who's going to try to make a, a powerful leap out of the group. You need to check over your shoulder, make sure there's no one cross like half wheeling you. Um, uh, just you know that that sort of courtesy to other riders. It's not all about you. Um, everyone has to you know go to work or go to school on on Monday. So yeah, think about the consequences if you you know if you're careless in your decisions. Yeah, so you're saying there that if, you know, you don't have the legs, you roll off and we kind of know if we do or don't. Um, yeah. And if you know you do, um, then, yeah, just just before the race has started, before you've been in the race, you've you've just got that, that concrete mindset, I will be checking over my shoulder mm-hmm. um, if I'm near that top five and I'm a chance. Yeah. What yeah, you- and just... Hold, hold the line through the sprint as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Anything else you want to add to that one? Um, no, like race organisers, they've tried, um, you know, a few things with keeping people to um, keep left and the like and, and stay on the right side of the roads. Um, so I think they give... In the sprints, they, they they open up the road, they stop traffic for the sprints a lot of the time. I mean, that's not a that's not a concrete rule. That's going to be something that would you know keep your ear out on race day. But yeah, I mean, if they are going to open up the roads for the sprints, you know, take advantage of that and, and use the whole road and yes, that sort of thing. Yeah, it's important to to know when. Yeah, it is fully open roads, and with True of Margaret River, we had on the on the Saturday we had those fully open roads as well. Um, and yeah, just always always know yeah the conditions of the race that you're in, especially the finish. All right, um, moving on. Are you familiar with the concept of the patron of a group race? And you know that respected rider that corrects riders on the fly, and stamps out dangerous movements or habits. Um, we used to have them in the bunchy and in local races and they helped develop that safe but tough culture in a peloton. Have we lost the patron of group rides and races, Adam? I don't think so. I think um, there's certainly those people in, in the bunches that um, people are always going to listen to, like Ali Milne for one. Um, people are always going to listen to anything that he that he says. Um, and I think as people become permanent fixtures in certain grades, that's naturally going to 
going to occur. Um, I know, like, like if you talk about bungees, I th I think there's um, one particular ride I did an SPR ride, and you know half the, half the bunch got through the lights, half didn't, and, and Theo was Theo Yates was one that didn't, and he he popped up and said, "Hey, hold up," and you know everyone held up, but they're not always. Like, I can't help it if I had to said, hey, hold up, I haven't got through. They're just going to, you know, continue to roll through just as a blow-in yep. to, to the rides once every six months or something. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think there is these um, patrons in the bunches, that, but they're not always there. Um, and so, yeah, if they're not, their absence can be can be missed in those crunch moments. Yeah, and and I, I don't know how much it would um, make a difference though when it comes into that final bend, or those you know those final few turns, and um, someone says, "Oi, like, what are you doing up here? Just back off, let let others go through." How much someone in the heat of the moment is going to listen to someone else? Um, I think probably this discussion that we're having you know, right here and hopefully people will listen, you know, that's probably a little bit better than anything really just bringing awareness to the, to the matter. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Thanks. Um, so yeah, the other only other suggestion that I was going to throw out to you was, do we need to do something at, I guess the club or race organizer level to address it? such as offers, say, a free ride to a respected rider of a higher grade to maybe ride down a lower grade and educate on the fly or just take that role of the patron. What are your thoughts? Um, it's hard enough uh, for the clubs to get the necessary people to just run the races. It's very difficult getting organisers. Um, it's probably not widely... Um, realized that so for, for peel um clint he's he's moved into state now so we've had a bit of a reshuffle in the committee and um we've got mark glory and peter dawson heading the committee now and and i'm involved um as a race organizer um it's yeah it's quite difficult getting people to commit to uh to helping out with certain aspects of of racing um, and this would this would be again one of them to try to nominate someone for that. Um, I think we have in the past offered free races for people to stand on corners. You know, just take one race of their season to stand on a corner. Um, but it just we don't get um, too many people putting their hands up for it. I think the I think the patrons will just naturally um, form within the grades. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right, great. So, yeah, let's just look at this, um, yeah, a little bit of awareness about it. And, yeah, just acknowledging that, well, we know now that there's more cyclists, there's more more of us in the race and, yeah, Peel, et cetera, they are capping, you know, because of the, the safety angle. Um, so, yeah, just for us to, yeah, what's going on behind us, if we are looking to, yeah, compete for the finale, um, 
in those last few Ks and then know the course, know the sections that are safe and unsafe and, um, yeah, know which sections we need to just wait. And, um, yeah, there will be – there always will be an opportunity um, for a safer section. Um, so, yeah. Adam, thanks, mate. No problem. So, yeah, moving forward, you've got yourself then, yeah, lined up for a couple more crits this summer. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'll, I'll be at all the Peel crits. I think bar one, just dabbling in the triathlons again this summer. So Very nice. Yeah. All right, mate, you're doing really well in, on the bike and thank you for your time, yeah, this, this pot for this one. And, yeah, I look forward to seeing you um, very soon out on the bike, big guy. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. Hi, I'm Mitch Stocker, and you're listening to Amateur Hour with Alistair Evans. If you're not listening to this, you're probably listening to Life in the Peloton. Thanks for joining me today, Ali. How are you? My legs are feeling the um, couple of lumps we did this morning, Al. Yeah, yeah, we did some lumps, and yeah, it was a playground out there, wasn't it? It was good fun. Yeah. It was a nice surprise. You were doing some, some uh, yeah, reckies, which you'll share with us later. Yes, more to come. Ali was secret squirrel work, but more to come on that later. Um, I've got you here. Just to introduce listeners to yourself and a brief summary of your racing and riding experience. Um, simply, Ali races with all legs and no brains. Shall we say that? So I just like to go out and have a good crack. Um, I do enjoy the road racing. Um, I've done the, like Masters Nationals, the Grand Fondo. That really was the jump was after doing the Busso Ironman in 2015, the Grand Fondo was coming to Perth. And there was a few of us thought, man, this is a great chance to try qualify um, and race in your, in your home turf. So I've uh, been doing some stuff at Peel, racing Peel, before then and having a good crack in, in there and yeah ultimately getting to go and, and race a Grand Fondo road race in the up through the hills and that and uh, and doing not too bad and yeah highlight was getting across to Roto in the final in the TT and tearing around Roto on the TT bike uh, closed roads but you've always got to be wary of the old quokka appearing <laughs> Especially once you've turned at the far end. Road clocker. That's like probably the probably like the most fun you can have on a TT bike. Uh, wow. Yeah, the two part, number one and number two. I don't know which one was best. In the qualifier, when we ripped across Elizabeth Key on the TT bike on cobbles and on wood, <laughs> which was a, a magic experience. Yeah. Uh, again, that was a bit like, a little more like mountain biking, but going across uh, round Roto was a, Probably a highlight, and then that led on to going good roads, undulation. Oh, yeah, lumpy. Yeah. Good, good for yeah. me because it was um, it was just lumpy, over, slightly lumpy over there. Yeah. Good fun, and then um, yeah, various races, masters, nationals. I think maybe a year or two after, and just local, local races, and then some success in the mountain bike, which I, I love. I think we spoke about that that last time, mm. Was, um, mm. which is pretty cool, and probably that. most recently since then was pairing up with my. My buddy and being down at Cape to Cape, uh, <laughs> as a part of six of us with a, 
an unnamed brewery sponsoring this, shall we say. Controversial kit. Uh, I, I can't, is there, can there be a, such a thing as controversial kit that is bad? No matter what it looks like. <laughs> so we got, um, day one was quite funny. Eh? We got, there was so much grief and, oh, geez, we're getting so much stick here. And yeah, and that's a good thing. And folks are like, you can't race mountain bike racing in white kit. That's why we do it. You can't be racing mountain bike in a skin suit. That's why we do it. So, like, busting the labels. <laughs> um, and, yeah, ultimately, when the pictures came out, um, it, it really did stick out. Well, that was by by uh, accident rather than by design. But more so, just a great fun uh, event and or definitely rekindled my love of the, Good to hear. the mountain bike. And then the Monday video right after with, with Rod Lakeland and, and the group where we had about 25 riders um Collie to Pemberton over four days and we just weaved in some really light conversations around mental health into the, the evening and geez we've heard some of the impact of that so so it's not it wasn't counselling or you know there was no cult things or anything going on it really was just hey let's listen to a short podcast and let's open up the the conversation around how we're travelling and it's good the cult stuff can come later yeah, and this well, the st- it was there to stimulate the chats that you have side by side the next day going through the bush, and, and it seems that we managed to do that. So big ups to, to Rod Lakeland and to good to hear, and to Rob and Heather as well who did our our food stops and that. So. You um yeah you've always had someone you've always had goals and events in mind, and now it's taken a bit of a different lens lately. Um, that one's a special one, yeah. and yeah, you've always had an um, eye for very um fancy kit. And uh, eye grabbing kit as we saw this morning as well, so yeah, I'd say yeah you're a keen keen racer with lots of experience and um, yeah keen kit wearer too. Yeah, experience you... sorry doesn't make us like yeah that that doesn't count for it <laughs> doesn't equal competence. <laughs> so then, just insight into what style of racer you are you see yourself as. I don't know. It's like somebody's like you let others decide sort of what you not others decide, but you base on others sort of feedback and I remember somebody in particular earlier in the year saying um it was Darren Wright actually shout him out and we're yeah. and we're down at a tour of Blackwood and it was we're just down there to give that crack and a go and and Dad says he goes, Oh, we're waiting to queue and line up and he goes, Oh yeah. Oh there you go, here's people's champion. And he was saying it in jokes but and uh, sorry, in jest. But I was like, man, that is such a massive that's a huge compliment. That's a massive compliment, eh? So, um, yeah, maybe not necessarily going to go and win, but, yeah, let's go um, let's go have a crack. And, uh, yeah, I'll leave it for Jethro. He came up, I didn't know, but Jethro came up with a, a one-liner, which I will just leave out there for him. He might use again, but he used it in commentary and crit racing this week. So, nice. But to sum it up is, yeah, just, uh, I do like to go and, and work basically so if anybody says what yeah. style what style of race are you a worker yeah yeah so ellie now shares his thoughts on respect and etiquette and how we can be safer out there in the bunch i you know i think folks that know me know this i'm not one for conjecture and um my background's actually in, in safety and when when you're not there and you don't see and you don't have all the evidence and you don't have as much facts as you can, it's can be quite easy to to just have an opinion not based on any evidence. And the, the science guy in me likes to, to see the evidence. Certainly can 
um, talk around etiquette, you know, anybody generally that comes riding with me, I'm sure, would say that. that I, I like to be pointing things out. I like to be, even if it's a group of gone to, you know, even in races and, and telling folk, you know, heads up, you know, if there's a car potentially on course or easy, if we've got something on course and we need to slow down and, and pointing things out, even in racing, where I'm aware, I imagine some folks might see that as an opportunity to go and attack or or for some of their rivals to come a, a cropper. So that, that doesn't really matter to me. I really want in any right, whether it's racing or whether it's the river loops or whether it's on the bike path is, is around, for me, the people who I'm with um, maybe thinking that, hey, geez, this guy actually... Know, we're riding hard, but he actually cares a cares a bit for the the safety and welfare of, of everyone, not just the riders in the group, but be it you know pedestrians or other users and that as well. Yeah, just um checking out, say, have a look at some of the examples that um whether it's racing or riding, ways that we can just keep it safer for everybody that's sharing the the track or the road. Yeah, I think if we start from. Let's start with what's supposed to be the safest environment for us, which is the bike path. Um, you know, it's being aware of pedestrians. It's a big one for me where, you know, we are, when we're on the road, we are looking for, and legally, we've got our metre or metre and a half, depending on the speed limit. Yet, and I see this, this is one thing I definitely do see is, I see people riding past and buzzing pedestrians in the way past. And I'm like, geez, come on, we're looking for a metre, a metre and a half. So give the same, if not more, to pedestrians. Um, you know, give them a tinkle on the bell or give them a shout a bite back and even give them a wave or a morning as we go through. Um, just to, number one, to communicate positively. Positive comms is important in terms of reducing our, our risk of us and them coming a cropper. Um, so I guess positive, positive comms is one thing on the bike path. Um, and then moving on to the road, I guess the, an interesting one was SPR. When, when we first went to SPR rides about four or five years ago, to see they had ride leaders, folks in there who were um, designated as people to go and, you know, I think maybe what that does is it reduces people's um, defensiveness to feedback because you know that uh, that person is assigned there to the group and if they're having a chat with you, um, it's not a personal sort of dig. Well, it is personal because it's you, but they're not doing it to belittle you or anything. They're doing it to, to keep you and the group um, safe. And I remember when I first started riding on the road here, you know, I just rode mountain bike till I come down here. And the group down here at Jandicott and the guys who were always... Because we had older guys there who had absolutely no hesitation in telling you, look, uh, you know, are you ha you know stop half wheeling or um, you know folks were twitchy on their brakes, for example, um, if you were gapping off the front as well um, when you were rolling turns, so they were really um, quite assertive at that point, right? So as we're on the road and we go around the river, it's I guess. You don't have to wait to be um, part of a group and feel like you're in that group to start 
like caringly asserting yourself. Um, the flip side I'll say is it can actually help. And I like to go around and do different rides and meet new people. And, you know, it's taken a few years to be able to do this. So I'm not saying it's easy, but just going in and being, you know, pointing things out, um, talking what we see, uh, communicating, um, can actually help at the end, I'm imagining, folks to be like, oh, okay, this guy's actually all right. He, he was right hard and that, but he's he cares actually, about the group. cares about the group. So yeah, well, at the end, it might be all right. See you next week or so. So that's um, a key part there around, you know, positive comms um, is, is probably the, the special one. And so there's two sides there, being being able to talk and taking that little bit of sort of that, leap of face sort of thing and, and talking and, and you could say it like look I'm not trying to be a I'm not trying to be an arsehole here but as we've you know came back through there um, you uh, when you rolled through uh, the second rider really had to pull his brakes on us so, so you might not be you might not be aware of it but just a heads up that you're doing it and you know uh, you might want to to just uh, have a quick look before you move over so but you can say it and you can soften it and then the person you you got to accept that sometimes people are going to react different. Some folks, and I know this as well with me, some folk will be like, okay, thanks. You know, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Other folks, you may get, you may get nothing, just a, a grunt. Okay. And some folks may become defensive and just need time to think about it. But in all that three instances, the person's yeah. going to think about it. They're going to think yeah, about it. Yeah, you made that point this morning. Is, yeah, going to think yeah, about it. Be it a positive or negative publication, that the recipient will still be thinking yeah, about it. And you are as well. You know, and yeah. again, I believe yeah. me, as I said this morning, I have and will continue to have brain farts now and again on the bike. Mm. <laughs> They'll happen, right? It will happen where I've maybe, you know, rolled through and, and cut somebody up by mistake or, um, you know, been engaged in a conversation and then got too close to a pedestrian. I'm like, oh, geez, I didn't set a good example there. And um, If the... If the yeah, if the reaction is sorry, if the if it's given out in a positive way, then there's a chance that it'll be looked back at, you know, in a positive manner. If it's given out, you know, too harsh, there's no just there's no uh, sugar cutting it. Depends <laughs> on the person how it's going to be reflected on. And that can be um, a context in racing. There, that's so, where we can do it in racing. Well, when we can be a bit more like bang. So let's touch it because if we are racing, and I want you to provide what you can there is. This is where the alertness levels ramped up, the yeah. adrenaline levels ramped up, yeah. and the competitions ramped up. So lately, we've just had more people in the races, and Adam made a good point that with that, therefore, greater numbers increases, you know, the greater chance of, you know, things, other people not showing etiquette or accidents happening. Mm. Um, so, yeah, with your experience with racing, um, what is some etiquette that racers can show in their actions? Oh, that's a challenge, is it, for folks that are out there racing to win? It's like, you know, is this... Are, are we looking for gentlemanly conduct or womanly conduct? <laughs> it's like it's a big challenge, isn't it, from folks that are out to win? Um, There can be things even like... And I'm imagining at times where if I've seen somebody stuck out there on their own and I'm like, okay... Um, there's not really much difference here in terms of the race. It's just giving them a shout and calling them in, and you come, and letting them get in back into the group. And it's not a, an opportunity. It's not like you're going to win or lose the race if you're 
if you let one person get in. Um, I think, I'm trying to think where it would have happened in the last while. It really is around when, when we've had stuff, for example, vehicles come on course. That's probably the one I think when I'm racing is when we've had vehicles come on course and um, it's been a, a clear call, a heads up or, or also if there's maybe been a crash um, getting people slowed down, uh, passing grades, that's another one. So rush odds have been good where they were putting chaperone riders onto the back of the grades who would call out um, to the group to when they were uh, being passed, you know, if another grade, faster grade was going past, really they would call yep. and they would get that group to line up, which is a pretty good idea. Um, so I guess it's, the one thing we can do is how can we help everyone as we are tearing around the course at, you know, 40 k's an hour, have the same understanding of what is potentially going to hurt us. Um, as we're going around so that that's what you're doing by communicating do we have that shared well shared mental model it's actually known as do we all share the same mental model around gravel corners um cones maybe that are too close uh, vehicles on course uh, potholes and just call them out and the great thing with the crit courses is you know we get like 15 laps to get it right yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean it's not like yeah. it's not yeah. like we should be surprised when that Paul's still there when we come round. So. <laughs> Making ones up in your own head. Uh, Stephen Hall, in his Valley Diaries podcast, he was great. He talked about um, going back to river loops, how if you approach the front of the, the pack, it's good to have this awareness that as soon as you're near the front, you're then becoming responsible for that yes. whole group behind yes. you. Yes, yes, um, yeah. So whether you're a young rider or someone new to the sport, like I certainly was a couple of years ago, doing those river loops, I had no idea that as soon as I started to yeah, roll through towards yeah. the front, yep. you're immediately responsible yep. for the whole peloton. Yep. Yep. So even in a race, if you are putting yourself around mm -hmm. the front, mm -hmm. especially towards the pointy end of the race, mm -hmm. as, as incredible a feeling as it is, winning or competing for the top, top three positions, just remember, even before that race starts, know this, because if you are going to contest, your your responsibility as soon as you go near the front is for everybody in that race yeah it's a it's a great call yeah that that definitely yeah. resonates and there's a couple of things there are with uh i have seen and i remember this on one of the papa's loops that we came round on a sunday morning and we came down uh, majestic and we came round the corners there yeah and there would have been 10 riders in front of me nobody called um at the time and there was a, a trail bike coming towards us. Um, and man, that, that came really close. And nobody called it. Nobody called it. So you're spot on. And that's from experience as well. So here's where, you know, I'm going to throw out there as a, as a development opportunity for our youngsters. So you get youngsters coming up through. They're more than capable to have the legs to come up and ride through the front. Is develop your leadership skills. Develop your assertiveness. Um, you're not going to get grief for it you'll be respected even more um, by the group by getting up front and calling things out. Um, you know, what's the, what's the risk around doing it? Um, and I think that as well, that's something, you know, I encouraged Callum when he started racing around, um, you know, when he was like 13, 14 or so, he maybe started to get a few 
maybe folks are going to be a bit grumpy at that or so. And I'm like, dude, dude, this is fair game. This is fair game. You're in there racing and all that, that frust- like, I know at school and there's this general thing around, you know, kids have to sort of respect your elders. But on the counter side, elders need to respect others as well, youngsters as well. So to think that they can just boss around and, and I'd, I'd been quite clear with him when he was growing up is, look, you're in there, dude, and it's fair game and boss it as well. And not just from, and what that develops then is that develops the ability to um, deal with older um, people in the, the group who may want to force the kids to try do stuff that they don't need to do just to help the older guy win. And I've seen that. I've seen yeah. That. I've seen that in kids yep. where they're, and where they're being quite forceful with the young kids. So it's like, no, 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 no. You, um, you know, kick back and stand up and, and you're quite within your rights to say, look, this is, a, I'm racing here. We're in the same grade, irrespective of age. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit a... like Ender's Game. You know the movie? A bit like Ender's Game, the sci-fi movie where the, where the kids, the teenagers, are the ones that are actually um, doing the battle. So. I need to watch more movies. Um, there's an opportunity here then for this is Peel racing because Peel mixes the youth in with the yeah. older fellas and and also with the older women and and juniors. So we've got here an opportunity for the older, more experienced riders to any time there's juniors in a race with us is to just know then actually I've got you know a responsibility here to, um, you know, look out for them, talk to them, uh, where needed. Uh, definitely not react to things, actually pre-chat to them in situations. And yes, we're racing. Yes, it's, you know, they, mm. they're on. But there's a chance here to just, uh, I've got to also be, you know, a leader here with, with these, these kids. Yeah, just supportive. be supportive. And here's yeah. the thing, you could actually encourage the, the juniors not to lead as well, right? It's not, it's encourage them to, encourage them to step up. You know? When I look at the riders are going around, is certainly got it physically, is be um, right up, you know, right up front, be assertive, positive comms. And this comes back to the thing here, Al, by doing all uh, these things, you know, these, my hope is that the, the juniors as they grow up will never have a crush, yeah? In terms of, with a, especially with a vehicle or that, and by being assertive and riding up front and, and being aware and calling things out. Because when you're calling things out for others, uh, and you're used to doing it, mm-hmm. um, that's, that becomes a habit, a good positive reinforcing habit, which helps keep me safe when I'm riding on my own. Yeah? Because you're calling it what you see. The, um, oh, geez, the, the Japanese train stations, and I learned this at uni, the Japanese train stations, these guys with the white gloves, they will point to people what they're seeing. Right? They will point out the hazard. They actually point, they talk in... There's a word for it. I can't remember if it's talking point or so, but they actually do it. And we were we were showing a clip at uni with this, and uh, the lecturer was was flabbergasted by what was doing, and kid and the you know, kids the other students were were thinking about. It. And I says, look, I says that happens right here. He says, what do you mean? I says that happens in Perth. What do you mean by that? I says, well, when we're riding around the river and you see people, we're pointing, we're pointing hazards, we're talking and pointing, you know, talking point. Um, to make people aware, to build that same mental model of the hazards. So that was quite, it was quite cool to think, okay, this was actually some evidence behind this. Uh, 
So yeah, you never know. I might rock up to the next ride with white gloves on. Match the socks. Match the socks. Match the kit. Match that white that white skin suit. <laughs> oh man, don't do it on your own. Give us a give us a uh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. So I think you've got to with any problem in any any industry, any sport, whatever, you've got to come up with solutions uh, first if you're gonna you know look to voice your opinion or whatever. So you know, listeners. Go to the races, go to the crits, go to the winter series with solutions focus. And that is in the warm up, chat to the juniors, um, know what you're doing before the race with your yourself. Are you going to contest the sprint? No? Right. Well, position yourself um, near the back. It, it maybe this is a part or maybe people can, you can reassert what your goals are for the race. Is it all about, is it all about podium or is it all about where you you finish up on the on the rankings of things or you know for me just now i'm enjoying i'm enjoying racing hard for the 98 percent of the race so you mentioned at the start you're a worker talk us a yeah. bit about how you approach these races um for you just to like if i if i've had too long for example if we start slowing up our, our barn four and this is all all right for me to say just now in you know racing it in b grade um but if if there's two stop start I get concerned there that there's more likelihood of a of a stack or a crash when when things are slower and people are looking over their shoulder at each other, then we've physically got you know, because of the movements of the bike and the sideways movements of the bike of people attacking, attacking, there's more can be more risk of things. Um so maybe with that, I guess the other one I should say is around um really enjoying really enjoying railing a good corner enjoying it what can you do in terms of changing like position and and uh, on the bike and that and really enjoying like that's how i approach it is i'll i'm quite happy to go and work and right up front and to really enjoy because i love that feeling of riding through like sweeping when you when you just get a nice corner and it's like oh that was that was smooth that was quite good one or other times it's the same at king's park you know i look at it now is part part of the thing i'm enjoying just now is with the, the sharp hot dog corners is trying different things and seeing how much you can we can really nail those corners so so yeah get yourself away get yourself thing. get yourself in single file get yourself in a small group and experience the enjoyment of yeah, smashing, yeah, enjoy, smashing enjoy the feeling of a, a, mm. a crit racing rather than I can imagine people maybe thinking, oh, geez, here comes another corner and, mm. and being fearful of that. And, um, yeah, so you're often out the front there. You know it's safer as well. And, yeah, yeah, often um, it's safer. And yeah, you're saying that, okay, if it comes back together and um, there's a bunch sprint, you're happy to just go, you know what, you guys... Yeah, it depends. Like, not to say I won't have a crack now and again, but um, like... Yeah, I, I've just been quite enjoying, you know, working away and, um, yeah, being able to ride, being able to ride the, up towards the front of a group and really enjoy the course. Um, really uh, enjoy the the corners and the course. And yep. Really working on Yeah. So that's probably that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, evidence there that the patrons, I chatted to Adam about, you know, do we need a... Um, patron in our races at Peel and things like that, an experienced rider racing down a grade. And it's not really practical, you know, with the lack of volunteers, etc. And it's just people also want to race. But 
know, we have a you know responsibility to just yeah help everyone out and help Aww. those juniors out. And here's the thing, like with yeah. that, it may I'm imagining that it may encourage some people to come race who maybe hadn't thought who are a bit twitchier on racing, and if they're to be told, oh look, there's a there's actually a more experienced rider rides in your grade mm. um, just to help you along and if you get stuck they'll have a chat maybe it'll encourage more people to come race I don't know yep 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 well it's definitely it's a good thing on the SPR rides as you say they they really just make it quite clear yep they yep this is it guys we're gonna roll through and it's made very very clear throughout the ride as well that we're yeah. stopping at this pedestrian crossing and we stop early for the lights and yeah it just creates and that's why that ride has such a great reputation oh yeah, yeah. It's, when you hear folks who are new it's come to me around cycling and mm. they just start and they want to do group mm. rides i'm like you know go down spr foreshore on a saturday at mm. seven and you'll find a group to to meet your you know whatever level you're at so no that's pretty cool mm. all right well before we wrap it up um this morning when we were out in the hills you were off doing a recce and um you were I guess your ride was ruined because when you came up to the end of the climb, <laughs> we were in front and we pipped you by about three seconds. You just went and, a different uh, way. I am gutted with that. I yeah. Gutted with that. Right. So yeah. talk, talk us through the why you took that gradient. Yeah, there's there's stuff going on that we are we're building. Um, you know, I've been fortunate to be who's uh, we helping out Rebecca and Brendan yep. and the gang. Uh, you know, the two of Margs right the BA gang. So uh, we signed up. Well, I've signed up for Riviera, um, and which is the is it as good as it sounds. The stages. Well, we'll find out. We'll find out. So yeah, that's multiple stages down. Uh, Margaret Riverway, and the idea there is to take uh, take that team experience that we get at the Tour of Margs and space it out over the over the year, and keep that. You know, using segments, using Strava segments, keep it competitive. But then the part I really love about this is that there is, almost takes like the ATA age, um, uh, what do you call it, age standards into, well, it's not actual the ATA age standards that's being used. Similar but concept. there's a weighting. So, you know, if you race, if you do a segment and it's, you do 25 k's an hour, it would be 25 points would be the base. But then there's multipliers based on age, and then there's multipliers for um, female as well, to really try and make it this like the biggest continual handicap race ever. So uh, you know me, I've I always love loved a handicap race, whether it's in Kings Park smashing round with, you know, with Brad's gang, or whether it's the Peel ones up Dandel up, um, because I love it because anybody can win. And it doesn't matter how big or small or male or female or old or young, everybody can have a crack. Uh, and to be able to take that throughout the year is, uh, is pretty cool. So I, I have just I've registered myself. I've registered, I'm in a team of one at the minute. My team is Team Algae Bear. Uh, and that is because algae is the acronym used in mental health first aid for how you have a conversation with somebody when you perceive they're not doing so well. And uh, at the minute, uh, I'm on my own raising the, the flag for mental health first aid um, and, you know, delivering that. And, and that's my, uh, one of my roles now. And I just saw it the chance to design a great kettle. So, so I don't know if it's going to be, will it be as controversial as the, the Cape to Cape one? I don't know, but I have literally 
sent the idea this morning to my trusted um, kit designer who will be like, what, is this another one? So yeah, I've got... Algae Bear, Riviera. Algae Bear, it's Riviera. We're Kings. raising mental health first aid. I would love a diverse team. Yep. So if MD is keen, then let's have a chat. Cool, so watch this space. Yeah. Another even event where we can all, yeah, yeah race for something bigger than ourselves and yeah. this time it's um, Strava segments. Yeah, race for our own goals. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah. All right, mate. Awesome to catch up. And thanks for touching on this subject with me. No problem. Always a pleasure. Can't wait to see that kit. <laughs> Take care. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, mate. There we go, listeners. Some terrific insight from three very, yeah, experienced racers. And, yeah, just taking that all in right now as we pause, press the pause button for a couple of weeks over Christmas. It's really important. And, yeah, moving forward into the next calendar year, yeah, I really feel that, um, yeah, just by really taking that all in, we can start to, all of us, yeah, get that safety needle starting to go back in the other direction. So what did you make of all that, bud? Um, well, un- unfortunately, it was a really timely conversation that you had with these guys. I think you spoke to the last person uh, on the Monday night and then the, the Tuesday night there was a massive crash again. So everything that was covered by these guys, it, it played out again in, in the crash that did happen at, at Rouchard's on the, uh, the airport circuit. Um, I think the, the the biggest takeaway is that people can actually make a, a change to are the interaction between the grades. Um, if we look at what we had in the season, they, they caused a crash at the North End like handica- uh, handicap. There was two Tour of Moat River stages that were grade interactions um, and now two Rushide ones. So uh, there's a bit of, bit of common sense and extra caution needed when the grades do meet out on a course, which does happen you know, from time to time. Um, I'm not sure, you know, what what commissaires need to do, but we expect a bit of space on the road when a car passes us. Maybe it needs to be enforced on a on the racetrack, a certain minimum distance when passing a grade. That would that would certainly make a, a difference to what's happened recently. Um, what do you think about that one, Al? Yeah, Ali Milne talked about how just with pedestrians we need to give them more room than what we expect from cars because they don't have any protection mm. um so here we're talking about two two groups um traveling at speeds of 30 40 kilometers an hour um yeah and it's often that yeah it was the case last week the assureds that uh the grade that was getting passed um yeah got a little perhaps a little bit um yeah titchy and and then there was yeah an overlap of wheels and down they went i think we've just got to yeah that that suggestion of a minimum one meter or two meter um gap there between passing grades is going to perhaps put the bunch being passed at ease just that little bit more uh, which Mm. in the crunch of the moment will will make such a huge difference for everyone's safety yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, going on the same sort of concept, something that um, Stephen Hall you know, brought up and you know, people out there that don't know Stephen Hall, he's one of the most respected racers in the state. He's an international um, 
competitive cyclist. So you're going to listen to him. Um, he really brought up the the concept of the social contract, you know, being that um, if you're in the mix at a sprint or if you're on the, the front of the bunch, you're giving your word to, to the rest of the riders around you that you're competent enough to be there. Um, so if you're on the bunch, on the front of the bunch and you're, going through a corner, you're responsible for the line choice that people behind you are going to take. Uh, if you're passing a grade. Yep. Good food for thought. And mm. uh, so, yeah. And then even with puppers, Boxing Day puppers now looking at, you know, just a, a group ride here, but that's just around the corner again. And we're going to have, you know, um, up to a hundred plus riders perhaps on those roads that morning. And um, yeah, again, anybody in that ride anywhere near the front or in the middle there, um, there are sections that you're going to be responsible for a lot of people. And, um, yeah, just having that knowledge that, yeah, you have a, yeah, a responsibility to call out everything you see and not make any assumptions. I think it's the assumptions that can, can lead to some of this, this crashing as well. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. It is, it's a duty of care. You know, I mean, we're not, we're not professional athletes here, is it? You know, we're all, like the guy said, we're all ready for work on Monday. So you got to have a duty of care to the people you're riding with. Let's be realistic about it. Fantastic, Craig. So that wraps up, that wraps up the second season for us. Listeners, it's been an absolute, yeah, ripping journey this second season after a pause after the first one. And so I know we've had some real variety this season. We've had some individual athletes, endurance athletes tell us their journeys I really enjoyed brands and sashes. We've also Absolutely. got some insights from clubs and some teams and yeah, how they operate and, and some of the work required and some of the culture setting that's required to, to maintain a yeah, great club and team. And yeah. And also one of my favorite pods was with Ali Milne and looking at yeah mental health and yeah, really proud of that one and the work that was put in and then also just appreciative for, what Ali shared and what all our guests share. So yeah, we look forward to a third season. We'll have a little, little spell and yeah, we've got a few ideas yeah, in the, in the pipe works for season three, mate. So yeah. What can listeners expect moving forward? Big guy. <laughs> what can they expect? Uh, well, you know, what do they want to see? We're, we're always open to suggestions, aren't we? Um, like you said, we've got a few ideas of what, we, what you want to put out and they'll start to, to get underway quite quite soon but you know send us a um a message through instagram if there's anything in particular that you know you want looked at i, I really enjoy the, the 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 current themes that you're doing with the the racing um the tour of margaret river wrap-ups where you had your um your race diaries from each day that was really good to listen to um you know current topics like we've just covered with this one it's been been really great yeah so I, th I think you're on the right track. Um, and, and also not just yourself, but you've got a good little community of Perth um, cycling podcasts getting out there now with yeah Stephen Hall and his Velo Diaries and Jethro Nagel with the Press Room podcast. It's, it's great. And, you know, they're all here to help promote each other. It's, you know, what do they say? The, the, the rising tide raises all ships, that sort of yeah. thing. It's, it's good to get support, give it back. So, if you're waiting on an episode from the Amateur Hour, go and check out the other guys. Oh, it's so good. Spoiled for choice right now. Jumping on the trainer or in the car. It's like, oh, which one do I choose today? Um, 
And yeah, even the Ashes, the first one of the Ashes Test match between Australia and England in the cricket. I was like, just yeah, tuning into um, the press room, and um, an hour went past, and I'm like, hang on a second, I totally forgot the cricket was on here. Um, <laughs> from a cricket background, I just had a bit of a chuckle and texted Jethro, and just was like, how good is that, mate? Loving the content, and yeah, we're loving this, loving this uh, podcast lifestyle, getting out there. So. Yeah, we'll keep ourselves busy, and yeah, um, as I said in the, the ads there for for sponsorship, give, get us in touch, and we love those podcasts from behind the scenes of the races. So we'll look to invest in some more uh, tech, which will get us recording some some behind the scenes action in uh, all the racing that's to come. So yeah, buddy, it's been fun, and yeah, let's have a good Chrissy and New Year and. Um, yeah, I think there's a few hills hills rides around the corner for us. Let's keep them rolling. Yeah, absolutely. Trying to get fat over Christmas, eh? <laughs> oh, just going between half-assed effort. <laughs> Great. Thanks, Al. See you, Swaino. All right, mate.